Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello, my hungry, hungry caterpillars, and welcome to another episode of Dish. I'm Tegan. I thought you were going to say hippos. Hungry, hungry hippos? Yeah, you know the board game where you basically just like chow down on plastic balls. Oh, you see, no, I was going the storybook Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar. For hippos, I go, there's a hippopotamus on my roof eating cake. But it's all food, Paul, so it all works. What What hippopotamus? What did you read as a kid? That is an iconic book, Paul, and you can educate yourself after this episode. Okay. Because it's a very special episode, Paul. This is the first time we've had a couple arrive on the island. Except for us, you're forgetting. We are the first couple on the (laughs) island and no one can take that away from us. Not even our wonderful guests. They are married, they totally like each other and they chose to spend forever with each other. But here's the question I want to ask you, Paul. I'm Mm. putting you on the spot a little bit. Mm -hmm. Paul, do I have a food thing that bothers you, that bugs you, that shits you up the wall? Yeah. Do I make you annoyed, baby? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's Vegemite. (laughs) Good God, do I hate Vegemite. Remember way back when Melissa was espousing the merits of, you know, Vegemite as a source of umami? I do. I'm like, look, Melissa, I'm never going to eat this crap because it tastes like something you'd find under a couch. It's absolutely rank. Do you know what's amazing? What? The food thing that I was going to say that shits me about you is peanut butter. I knew it. I can't stand it. You know what's weird is some people lately have been suggesting combining the two. Well, some people deserve to... (laughs) Actually, I was just going to say something. Die? (laughs) I was going to say something so horrible. I wasn't going to say die. Right. But it's amazing. It's the condiments. We both... We both don't enjoy each other's condiments because I feel like you you eat peanut butter then just come and breathe all over me and it's disgusting. I, here's the thing. I made breakfast for you many years ago and it sort of just became a habit. So yeah. if you want toast, you're like, Paul, can I have toast? And I'm, I have to make you the Vegemite. Now, Vegemite gets on everything, okay? It gets you're everywhere. You're doing it wrong, Paul. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I should stop flailing when I'm making your breakfast. No, but it just... I, if you don't like a thing and you have to work with it, I wonder often how chefs deal with stuff. Like, let's say you are a vegan, right? Yes. And you have a major, major moral issue with making meat. And you have to get blood on you when you're kind of cutting up a rare steak or doing whatever. How do you sort of negotiate your way out of that? I mean, look, that's a fascinating question. I would go so far as to say that they're in the wrong career. Okay. That would be like a copywriter going, I just can't stand vowels. <laughs> like, it's it's pretty it's pretty vital that yeah. you incorporate this into your practice. But then again, I mean, you could just open up a vegan restaurant and, and do wonderfully at that. What I like, though, Tegan, is that even though we don't like each other's condiments, we like each other very much and we work together very well. 
And so do our guests today. That is another delightful segue. You've been doing some really wonderful segues lately, Paul. I spend six days planning them. (laughs) I make them sound spontaneous. It destroys me. Anyway. You've got 14 teleprompters propped up around you. Oh, yeah, that's what they're for. Well, our guests this week, as mentioned, are an absolute power couple. One is a children's book author. One is a seasoned improviser. And as a duo, they stole the nation's hearts each week on season one of Lego Masters. They even had a Lego-themed wedding. Please welcome Jimmy and Maddie. Jimmy, Maddie, welcome to Dish Island. One of the first things that we ask our guests is a very important question, and that is, how did you get to the island today? Oh, very good question, Paul. Firstly, thank you for having us. Secondly, I think it's pretty obvious. You guys have met Maddie. You know what her energy's like. Mm -hmm. People listening, you might be aware of her publicly. Clearly, Maddie murdered someone. Expecting that, that is exactly and what happened. I am being the good husband and going off the grid with her. Yeah, rather totally. Rather than being the guy who's like, I don't know where she is. I'm going to... Fleeing the law, officially. What was that film with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz? And they were like on an island. Tom Cruise? What? I what don't island? think that film exists, Jimmy. That's like the Mandela effect on, on, on speed. <laughs> There's definitely a movie where he's like, they're on an island and she wakes up and he's a spy and... Look, there's what? one with Tom... Tom Hanks, and it's called Castaway, but I right. don't think that, that's a ball. Yeah, Cameron that's did, not no, no. Cameron Tegan, Diaz. Tegan, Cameron Diaz did play Wilson, okay? Oh, she my did. God, she I was, didn't know. She's an incredible actress. Yeah. I, di- I digress. Maddie killed someone. I did. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone, guys. Uh, I know this is a public podcast, but no one tell anyone. It's a secret. Can I delve into this moment? I mean, I know we all yeah. got pretty tense during lockdown. Hang on, mm. do you want to know how or why? What's your first question? <laughs> I, oh, that's a great... Okay, this is like some reverse Cluedo sort of mix-up. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> okay, in what room and was it with the wrench? It was with the candlestick. Uh, wow. <laughs> candlestick. You've got to be a really good murderer to kill someone with a candlestick. It's true. And look, I'm not going to I'm not going to say exactly who it was, but we've been trying to get our lights fixed in our living room for a very long time and the electrician never showed. So And he never will. And he never will. Yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on. So let me get this straight. You need your lights fixed. The electrician takes maybe a bit too long to get there. He finally gets there and then you kill him. <laughs> Did you? Oh, sorry, did you kill him after he fixed the lights at least? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I love that you did it so symbolically. You mm. killed him with the medium from that was That's used previous what, to, guys, to lights. You, tradies You're out like a there. Luddite. I'm just putting putting it out there. Tradies, don't keep me waiting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there will be oh my issues. God. Wow. <laughs> this just goes against all the colour and brightness and joie de vivre of your Instagram account. I'm so confused. So what other industries have you worked your way through with your kind of murderous rage? So someone brings you food late and you you wait till the food arrives and then kill them with a frying pan, right? Poor, oh, those poor Uber Eats. They've all like started boycotting our uh, our uh, house, uh, guys, you know, during it's, lockdown. It's funny, so. during lockdown in Brunswick, that's where we live, we have a massive shortage of Uber Eats drivers. Yeah. And now I know Maybe why. Maybe that's why. <laughs> they know. They've caught on to my evil dark plan. <laughs> well, this is actually the most fantastic segue, which is that during lockdown, mm. you guys were, you were living together. Did your food world change? It's been it's been a, it's been a time, hasn't it, Jimmy? We have been living together with our little dog, Chewy. He's running around in the background. And I definitely got a test and it came back uh, negative. Mm-hmm. But very early into COVID, mm. I lost my taste for about what? like yeah. a month, a month and a half. Yeah. 
and you know that hypothetical of you know what what sense would you like to lose first mm. and everyone goes oh well you know sight and hearing is, is pretty important touch for fire could probably get get around without taste oh boy Jimmy was one sad, one sad little it kid, guys. Just uh, takes the joy out of everything. Yeah, you are not. Ha- and so, yeah, it was really weird because we've kind of been reflecting on it since, and we're like, "Did you have COVID?" Because that's kind of apparently one of the one well, of that's the what signs. Everyone was saying. Yeah, but I had no other symptoms, and my doctor and I went and got a test, and I didn't have it. But mm. I was, I was tasteless, and it was so you were very shit. Sad. It's, yeah. It was awful. Yeah. So- Okay, first of all, I've got two questions. If they, if it wasn't COVID, have they given you any idea what it was so you can make sure this never happens again? Are you talking of like a large magnet or something? Uh, yes, yeah, so what of it? <laughs> <laughs> I love hanging with magnets. Actually, no, first of all, just answer that one. First go with that one. I Like my theory as to what it was? Yeah. Mm. Well, I won't name the pub because they're lovely. But at the start of Brunswick's, you know, like one of those inner city Melbourne um, suburbs that has almost a pub on every corner. If not, there's like a renovated house that used to be a pub. So Mm. there's a lot of pubs. And there was a pub at the very start of lockdown that was like, oh, no, I've got to get rid of all my beer. So they were like selling growlers really cheaply. And I drank a lot of those growlers. And I have a funny feeling maybe the pipes had some weird chemical in them because I I definitely drank Mm. from that pub. I don't even know if it's a pub. It's probably just a weird guy. It's just someone's backyard. So that that's Um, my theory. Like that was the weird kind of variable um, that that it could have been. It came back eventually, but uh, look, I can't. You should, you know, explain how it was. But you were sort of saying everything tasted like salt. Well, it was weird because uh, all my taste buds were gone, and then slowly they started to grow back, or whatever taste buds do. Yeah. And the first receptors that were really obvious were the salt receptors, so I could only taste salt in things. Yes. So So weird. weird. I mean, because you you know when Daredevil lost his you know sight and every other sense became heightened. (laughs) Did you experience that? Did you kind of (laughs) suddenly I could just see like kilometers away? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I could just see the fine hairs on flies. Um, I could hear operas in, in Italy. Um, so it was it was great, except I was still cranky about not having But he was taste. very grumpy, guys. Look, I'm just putting it out there. He was a, he, you were pretty, pretty pissed off. And at first I tried to fix it by just eating more food. Yeah. <laughs> to just try and break it. But break the barrier. It, it didn't work. Well, yeah. it's funny that you say that because I've only spoken to one other person who's ever lost their sense of taste. Mm. And they were very sad and very grumpy as oh. well. But they realised, I think theirs was gone forever, though. Theirs was, they'd actually lost it because of an injury. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was actually really horrible for this poor person. But they started eating for texture more than taste as they, mm. wow. you know, as they became acquainted, uh, I guess, began to accept this new situation. And texture was what they wanted. But what was interesting is that <laughs> meant they were eating lots of chips and very mm. heavily fried foods. Anything crunchy, basically. Anything crunchy, crunchy. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. reams of Velcro. Yeah, <laughs> right. And being well, never know, right? Raking your tell. teeth across sandpaper. You know? <laughs> and, and it, was, it kind of. I thought it was odd because I figured that if you lose taste, you might as well just be the healthiest person on earth. Because if you're not yeah. getting a kick you're out of flavour, yes. like eat the damn kale. Sounds like a Luke McGregor um, sodium flavour block. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> That's so interesting. That's a really good point, uh, Tease, because I think, yeah, like if they want crunchy, like, yeah, kale, lettuce, uh, what do you call, what are those mm. sprouty things? They're all crunchy, crunchy sort of healthy thing options. So you didn't really go down the healthy route, though. Yeah, surprise, surprise, I don't eat 
for health. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the last thing I think about. If, um, it, if it's a side product, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, that's, you, that's nice. You really tried to push through. You did. We bought like multiple boxes of paddle pops. I don't know why. And you were just oh. eating a lot of those to like hope that the, the oh, taste would Oh, and a frosty back. fruit. Yeah. That tasted like bitter. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Oh, it was a sad time, guys. But then it went away and we, we did get into right into our food. So much food. Mm. Who is the cook between the two of you? Or are you both pretty kind of active in the kitchen? Oh, no. Uh, it is very one-sided in this household, <laughs> Paul. And it's not me. I can't cook for shit. Oh, oh no. you can. No, you, you no, I can't. You quite get into the HelloFresh, like, Guys, almost like Lego box meals. I need, a ha- I need paint by numbers when it comes to the kitchen. Um, I'm just not great at it. And I don't know whether it's just because... It doesn't spark the joy, as Marie Kondo would say. Uh, yeah, cooking just doesn't – I don't get – I love eating it, don't get me wrong, but I would pick doing the dishes over cooking oh, God. ten times what over. Are you, are you crazy? Yeah. Well, this is why Jimmy and I work so well together because he makes a shit ton of mess in the kitchen and I do the cleanup. Uh, but, yeah, Jimmy is definitely the cook in our house. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's like being a wizard. Uh, a very low stakes wizard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. You do. I, I completely get where you're coming from, Jimmy. We just, after weeks of talking about it, finally put our new ice cream maker to use. <gasps> oh, wow. And made ice cream. And it's right. I feel magical. I feel like I have all these powers. It's like, I can make whatever ice cream I want. That's amazing. I'd love it if you just went up to a small child and went, hey, you like ice cream? I've got a limit, unlimited supply. <laughs> Sucked in and just yeah. ran away. That, that's a thing. great way to get on a watch list. Just Actually, yeah. yeah. Hey, kid, you want some ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think that one through. I, I completely agree, though. It, it is. It's like this magical superpower once you realise you can harness it. Mm. But Maddie, so do you do you love food less? Is that what I'm getting here? No, I think for me, takes. I'm just trying to think of probably the reason. It's a lot of mess. There's a lot of mess. I just. I don't know if if and it's interesting because we were listening to uh, the Luke McGregor episode the other day. Mm. I love the idea if I could just yeah yeah same thing if a if a block of some kind of sustenance just like popped in front of me and that could keep me going for the rest of my life healthily, I'd probably go down that route too. Like I just I love the taste of it, but the whole getting to the point of having a delicious meal in front of me, I can't be bothered, and that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, which is why we've in like should have invested in a lot of Uber, Uber Eats, Eats yeah, we should have done that at the start of. 2020. Yeah. Because yeah. just having it arrive at my doorstep, oh, heaven. But the actual process of getting, uh, you know, making it from scratch, mm. yeah, I just don't get a kick out of it. But you you do, Jimmy. You love it. I love it. it. Yeah. yeah. But you both make things kind of, I mean, making things is kind of what you're known for. You mentioned blocks before, Maddie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lego is sort of, I mean, you're basically professional Lego builders, right? Um, has it been weird for you during lockdown doing something that you love doing for fun? as a job because we have started to talk about food and do food mm. it, it's, it's gone from like a passion project to something that we have to do for work mm-hmm. and it's changed our relationship with it in some interesting ways oh, yeah. how has <laughs> how has building lego for work oh, changed boy. your relationship to it it's so interesting you we say this. We were literally about talking about this before uh, we jumped on the um, on the podcast but yeah it's it's funny it's so that it's like the minute you sort of jobify is that a word the minute you yeah. jobify something that you love it's mm. sort of i think definitely think takes away an element of the joy there. Um, I think originally we did Lego as uh, I think our brains probably think quite similarly to yours. You know, they're always moving quite fast. We're, we're creative people. We're quite 
we're both diagnosed with OCD and ADHD. I have ADHD. So our brains are always going around really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lego is one of those beautiful practices like drawing or animating where you it, or, or rock climbing or whatever you want to do. You, it gives your um, focus 100% to that because you mm. have to be thinking creatively yeah, and then also um, strategically. Well, it's quite but, meditative. And yeah, then, and so yeah. that was lovely. And we used to listen to music and build, you know, just whatever. And then suddenly going on Lego Masters, which was awesome, it was suddenly like, everyone's watching. Yeah. And you've <laughs> got to do There is time well. limits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it does definitely become become a little bit more of a, a stressful endeavour. But in saying that too, like we still really enjoy building. Oh, well, yeah, and, we love it. Um, but yeah, there's there's certainly an element of like, oh, this is a bit of a task now. This is a little bit of a, yeah. A little yeah. Bit of, yeah. And just like comedy, there's a Lego scene mm. as well. And there's Lego fans and there's... Lego politics and yeah. it's yeah it's it's funny that like such a joyful toy people get so serious yeah, about, it. about it yeah, it's um, and we like playing with all sorts of toys um oh that sounded weird <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound bite right there yeah. <laughs> oh exclusive so we love you know action figures Lego I'm obsessed with Star Wars and sometimes we play with dare I say it blocks that aren't lego and you should see the hate mail we've received yeah we really have we've been like pommeled by the online trolls when we've used like non-lego branded building blocks and uh oh my god you're like you yeah oh you bloody sellout you're like do you work for lego are you some kind of detective (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy i find this so fascinating that there is this yeah in a world of of Lego politics, and I'm I've got to be honest, I'm picturing a headquarters, and <laughs> it's Lego. It's made of Lego. That's pretty wild. The I'm headquarters picturing... is in someone's basement, um, <laughs> Deegan, and there's a lot of uh, middle aged men that um, <laughs> live with their and, mothers, and the chairs are very uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. They're made of Lego. <laughs> yeah, I just think the there's look in the construction industry. You know the ties the mob has with the construction industry. <laughs> this is like that. There, it is a construction industry. Definitely. And they have little Lego construction heads. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> oh god! They're listening to this now, and we've made it a whole much. I know worse. we we really have. We're throwing ourselves in the deep end now. The, oh. the thing is, even with this, because you know, as Paul said, you went on Lego Masters, and now you guys are just synonymous with the Lego brand in mm. so many ways. But you have been doing so many other things during the past couple of years, including Maddie. You brought out a book, and it is just one of the most appropriate things to talk about on a food podcast. It is about your relationship with food. Can mm. you tell us a little bit about when Anna came to stay? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you very much, Teeks, for that lovely, uh, lovely little segue. I I did uh, release a book. Uh, yeah, gosh, going back sort of the start of this year, uh, good old COVID uh, sort of prevented us from having uh, any kind of launch. Um, but look, the beauty of uh, online and, and sort of uh, social media has been, it's been great because I have been able to sort of um, share it as far and wide as I sort of possibly can in the, the current situation. But but yeah, this is a book I, I sort of wrote coming going back probably three or four years ago now. It's sort of been wow. quite, a, quite a while in the pipe. Who would have thought books take a really long time to develop? Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? But, yeah, look, it's called When Anna Came to Stay and the sort of the loose premise is uh, it's sort of centred around uh, the protagonist, um, a young character called May, who um, is a little girl and, you know, life just throws her a few curveballs and she sort of, you know, has to change schools and things are feeling a little bit uh, out of her control and, 
and all of a sudden this this um, this character called Anna comes uh, comes to stay to sort of uh, show her how to take control of her life and how to sort of feel good about herself. Um, Anna is of course a metaphor for an eating disorder or toxic sort of uh, thoughts. It could could be even be seen as sort of anxiety or depression as well. And how this character Anna sort of takes over May's life and actually makes her feel quite terrible and yeah then it's of course May sort of having to to learn to build up the courage and strength to sort of say goodbye to her again Anna's sort of the inner voice of May and sort of letting her go so she can actually live her life freely and happily again so yeah it's a slightly sort of I suppose um, more serious topic but it's told like in a really childlike way so it's sort of targeted at that sort of 8 to 12 uh, age demographic it's very Dr. Seussical yeah written in sort of rhyming couplets yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, that real sort of Dr. Mm. Seuss sort of style and sort of beautiful imagery by uh, a lovely oh, yeah. illustrator from uh, from Brisbane called Siobhan Skipworth. And, yeah, so it's sort of told for children um, to sort of, I suppose, hopefully the idea is to get them to sort of start having that conversation if they're having thoughts like that themselves with, with their family, their loved ones, or, or perhaps a teacher. So... Yeah, so personally, I it's again, it's very kind of much based on my life story. I, I sort of started developing uh, an eating disorder at the age of eight, which is quite young, and it didn't sort of fully sort of develop into a you know hospitalization sort of situation until I was sixteen. So it was a very much a slow progression. But I kind of wrote this book in the hopes that if it could potentially stop someone, a young child, sort of going down that path as well early on, and kind of. Uh, you know, get in there early, then yeah, that's kind of my job done. Oh, what's been lovely as well as a um, number one fan and bystander, um, mm. and, and we're all creative people here. Sometimes you put stuff out into the world, and you're like, "Did anyone see that thing?" Yeah. <laughs> Even and you spend a lot of money and time and and you know sweat and tears. But what's been so lovely is people getting back to you. About their children reading it and yeah, yeah, and that's been I think the highlight. Like for me, it was never like a money making. Oh, let's try and sell a thousand million copies. What? And, no. <laughs> um, it was. Def- going to get hair plugs? <laughs> it was definitely like you know, if this could just help one kid, like I'll be totally stoked. And it's it's actually yeah, I've been really quite overwhelmed with the amount of people that have reached out sort of personally to say, look, I've bought this this book for my child or my cousin or my 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 nephew or niece or whatever it may be and you know it's really helped them um it's interesting I do a lot of work for the Butterfly Foundation as well which is a an eating disorder charity here in Australia and they've done a whole lot of research and um, the stats have sort of come out over the last couple of years particularly during lockdown being such a stressful time for everyone uh the the sort of the prevalence of eating disorders and and um and particularly in young people have has really kind of risen in this period and it kind of makes sense when you think about it everyone's you know living in this just crazy world where things are completely out of control and when you don't have your sort of your friends to sort of bounce off or your, your normal everyday distractions things like eating disorders and anxiety and depression can really arise in this time. Mm. So, you know, it, as as awful as this 
you know, time has been and, and, and not being able to sort of sort of release the book how I sort of wished. It's sort mm. of at it's sort of come at a good time as well in a weird way. So I'm sort of hoping it can kind of, you know, get into the right hands. Yeah. Um, but I, I reached out to Fergie. Right. Good old Fergie, I'm not talking not Fergal- Fergie. <laughs> not Fergalicious. Uh, but the uh, Duchess of York. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so she's got a, a little little channel called Storytime with Fergie and Friends and um, <laughs> I have sent her a copy. So hilariously, I, I posted my my book off a couple of weeks ago too. I had like the Buckingham Palace address, which was so Oh, my hilarious. gosh. Um, and sending up. So I only arrived like a couple of days ago. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe she will read Maybe you hear some, some kind point. of royal horn. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it has arrived. No, Jimmy, the royal horn means war has been called. You know? oh. <laughs> You've sent us too many books. <laughs> also, Maddie has sort of reached, uh, I think this is some kind of um, children's author notoriety. Mm. Someone sent a photo to us of a child dressed up as your book's character for Book Week. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was so cute. I think that's that the true so sign that you've made it, right? I know. And it was a gorgeous little girl and she was dressed up as May and then her sister was dressed up as Wally, like, where's Wally? And I was like, oh, man, oh. I've made it. I've made it. You are up there with true legends exactly. if you're right there beside Wally. That's so exciting. And yeah, I just think it's lovely. It's so lovely to hear somebody doing something that's clearly just intended to help I mean it really is going to help a lot of people Mm. I think it's so wonderful and everybody listening you should just buy the book just buy the book just do it in this moment you're going to be thinking about it and then you're going to forget it in three minutes time so grab your phone right now and where can they buy the book Maddie oh thanks Tiggs yeah yes so it's um you know very easily uh purchased online over my over my website so I've got like a link tree attached to my Instagram which is just Maddie Tires or you can just go to MaddieTires.com and you can uh, purchase it there it's all through my my publisher Interactive Publishing One thing I noticed that uh, I've got in common with you folks is that during lockdown video games have apparently been a bit of a kind of um, oh, yeah. what's the word like a sanctuary kind of mentally oh, it's oh, like yeah. a yeah and you've been streaming a fair bit and Jimmy I noticed you've been playing a bit of Sea of Thieves how do you how much of a role in these games because I always enjoy seeing how different game developers render food and drink in the game and whether they whether there's a cooking system or not I find it interesting that some games really make food seem delicious to the point where I will get up leave the computer and have to grab something from the kitchen Absolutely and I mean, Sea of Thieves is really great, and it's very cartoony, and there's just big hunks of fresh fruit, and there's meat that you can practically smell, and there's just frothy Megalodon ale. steaks. Yes. <laughs> you, 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 can cook, you get achievements for cooking this stuff just right. I mean, they really encourage the cooking process. Now, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've burnt a few pieces of, of fine fish in that game. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> what video game food do you think has made you the hungriest? Oh, wow. Oh, can I answer this one for me? Yes, yes. please. Oh my gosh. I think I, I think you're going to say the same thing as I. Are you going to say Overcooked? Yeah. Yes. So Jimmy and I have been playing a lot of Overcooked. So I don't know if you guys have, have experienced it. It is a game that they sort of warn it could break up marriages. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether you want to try it. It's quite stressful. Is this but... the one when you're in a kitchen and people are yelling at you? Yes. Exactly. And oh, those, I hate this people, one. Those people are real life people. Exactly. They're the people you're playing with, like yeah. your wife <laughs> or, or yourself yelling at your wife. But it's... we love it we've been playing we've just downloaded the overcooked 2 and um it's great like so this one is sort of predominantly based in a sushi kitchen so you're Mm. making sashimi and 
delicious sushi um, as the sort of the orders come through. So it gets sort of obviously faster and faster and things sort of start burning. But that it's, is one It's a kitchen. thousand times more stressful than real cooking. Yeah. Which is funny because I actually quite like cooking in that virtual kitchen, which I don't usually, I would never sort of say. This is what I was going to say. It's so strange. Yeah, I I can't stand the game. Maddie, if there's like something you can win, suddenly Maddie's like grips you by the arm and goes, we're doing this. Yeah, maybe. It was the same with like, like, so with with Overcooked, you're like, I've got to get the hot tips. Mm Because if you get the food out quicker, you get like bonus tips, Um, which, you know, it sounds like a great industry to work in. Um, (laughs) And in Lego Masters as well. I remember, like, when we first went in, we were just like, "Oh, we're just crazy kids from Brunswick. We're just, we're just we happy-go-lucky. <laughs> we're not, we're not emotionally invested in this." And then after a couple of episodes, Maddie's like, "We're gonna win this." Yeah, and I was bawling <laughs> after the first episode as well. So, yeah, maybe that's what it is, Teeks. Maybe I need some kind of incentive at the end of cooking in the kitchen. Got a game? Although, fire. like, yeah, I need a gamify. Although, you know, they say just having the meal at the end is the reward. I don't know. Maybe I need some kind of like other achievement. To sort of, you know, to get me to get me back in the real kitchen. Cute puppies. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at the very least feeling like we should forward this episode to Channel 10. So the next series of Celebrity MasterChef, Maddie, you are on their list. Because I feel like this could be just a whole other evolution in your television career. But can I ask one other thing I, I really enjoy hearing? Because we've had a lot of people on the show who have been on various reality television shows, mm. whether it's SAS, MasterChef, um, uh, Great Australian Bake Off, Bake Off. I've just Drag alone, yep. you know, all sorts of things. And there is always the stuff that we get to see as the audience, which is polished and fantastic and wonderful. And then everybody's <laughs> always got some great behind the scenes story where they're like, you won't believe what went down. <laughs> Do you have your reality television, holy shit, this will blow our mind sort of story? And it's okay if you don't. Hang on, I've just got to a- check the, when the NDA finishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're good. We're out of the, we're out of the, the we're uh, window. We're out of the time period. No, look, absolutely. We... Jimmy and I were so nervous. Obviously, we were on the first season of Lego Masters, so this show had never kind of, I suppose, been uh, produced in the way it had here in Australia. So the, the previous um, series had come out in the UK, and it was a very different format. So the way, you know, obviously having Hamish as the judge, it was a very different sort of vibe. And we had no idea what to expect before it kind of came out. And mm. obviously, you don't know what's going to stay in the cut. Like, you don't know what's mm. going to kind of be sort of left out. And there was a little bit of worry there, like because you know we did have have a few little heated arguments. Well, that's what's mind. interesting about doing Twitch with you now is yeah. it's just a, an uncut couple Lego of hours masters. making Lego, yeah. and it's very hard to to hide the frustration of when you literally you know make a whole Lego boat out of Technic, and then realise you've put the wrong piece in. Early in one on, of the first yeah. steps and it's locked <laughs> in there like eight ways. You yeah. have to rip this thing apart to get it out. Mm. And it's very hard to kind of just get over that stress. Yeah, totally. Um, but they they made us look so much better. Yeah, they actually <laughs> did. <laughs> they really did. We had so many little squabbles and they were so nice they to us. They were very kind, very generous with their, with their edits. And sometimes um, we'd make mistakes and I was like, oh, God, this is going to make me look like the biggest idiot in yeah. front of all this Lego mafia. Yeah. And um, sometimes they'd just brush over it. And yeah. not, not to make us look good, I think, because what we realised is we're only living, you know, one, one episode, for example, is filmed over a week um, mm. to do everything. We're only living our version of that week. There's, an, there's seven other versions of that week mm. that mm. we were totally unaware of because we were so stressed and in our zone. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really cool to see those other stories. What else was going on at the same time? Eventuate. And I think that's where it was sort of a bonus for us because I think a lot of 
way more sort of dramatic things were going on around us. So our stuff was just left out. So so I think it was kind of a win in that way. I did like get grumpy at another contestant. Mm. I won't say who it was, but one of them came up to us off air and went, I just want you to know that Maddie's roots are showing. And if, <laughs> if my wife was on television, I know what I'd do. And I just went, <gasps> oh my what God. the fuck? Like, oh what the fuck? does that mean? Like, yeah, what, are, what are you going to, like, I'll I dye the roots while she's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> shh, shh. Just keep sleeping. Just keep sleeping. This, this, peroxide, this peroxide might burn. Yeah, so funny. But look, apart from, you know, a couple of little in-house squabbles, it was a really positive experience. It was amazing. We had a great time. Yeah. We had um, a really good time. Hot, hot, little, like, a little bit of a TMZ, too hot for TV yeah. comment. So many people fart in the brick room. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Is this a nervous fart thing? Oh, I think it was to begin with. Yeah. But then over the weeks, when we just got more and more comfortable with people the people, people would just go in there and let rip. And it was kind of like, it's called the brick pit. But after a while, we're calling, calling it the shit pit because it was just <laughs> horrible. It was so stinky. Oh, I know. I was like, it, God, good way to like put people off building is just like yeah. make them vomit. But, yeah. um, but it's weird now, whenever I fart, I want to build Lego. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea of just a bunch of contestants, high stakes music, Hamish hovering over you, and everyone's eyes are red, like burning <laughs> tears running down the shit. Why are they crying? It's because there's sulfur in the. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Wow, they're nothing, really emotional. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing unites like farts, really. But look, you—you you mentioned there being little squabbles, and look, lo- I'm loath to trigger one right now, but we've never had a couple on Dish Island before. No, you're our first. Now, this, you're Ooh, our first. This will be the first couple you break up. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that point, typically speaking, we let the person who's on the island uh, select a desert island dish, the one dish they can bring with them. And because there's two of you, and because we kind of like a bit of reality show friction, we're going to make <laughs> you pick one. Great. Ooh, oh, I love this. crap. I love this. So you got to agree on one well, now. Well, first I've got to know... Did you guys both bring separate desert island dishes? Maybe you're already thinking as a, you know, gorgeous husband and wife and, you know, two minds became one anyway, mm. but I doubt it. No. <laughs> we did pack separately, but I'm very, I'm quite happy to throw I'm, my thing overboard. I'm cause... quite happy for you to throw your thing overboard too. <laughs> <laughs> your thing sucks. Well, can I, all right, then first I want to know what your thing was, Maddie. What was your desert island dish going to be? I know this sounds so lame guys and like I, I apologize because I know how you know Just you guys are so culinary um, advanced and amazing the two of you but I was literally going to bring a, a kilo tub of Yumi's hummus and a bag of carrots and I know that sounds so <laughs> terribly depressing but it's what I could eat I literally eat it every day I go through about a kilo a week of hummus like I know that's probably causing its yeah. own issues but that was what I was going to bring. Jimmy, you're probably not so on board with that. Oh, okay. really? How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have mean, to throw it overboard. There's nothing wrong with hummus and carrot sticks. It is a it is a noble snack. It, it is, is, but I like the idea that you know how you go to prison. You, you, I mean, you might not know what it's like to go to prison. Well, you will soon. You will soon. So you know how you get a cake and it's from your mother-in-law and <laughs> mm. she's put a, like a bandsaw in the cake? Is this... <laughs> 
Is this bucket of hummus holding like a gun or a grappling hook or something to help you escape? It's a big bucket. Yeah, it's got like a shiv inside. Like, I'm ready to go, guys. I'm ready to go. If there's any other islanders out there that are like, you know, going to threaten Jimmy and I, well, you've just beware of the hummus stick. knife. You don't even yeah, need a knife. You could probably fashion some kind of weapon out of it's hummus. True. But look, I'm happy to throw the hummus overboard. Use it as okay. an anchor if we wish. Um, but <sighs> Jimmy, what? Yeah, what? I see it more as like burly or like. I just imagine somebody's feet in the hummus and Maddie throwing them overboard, sinking straight to the bottom. Oh my god! There you go. It's another idea. Put that one it's in the bank. Idea. You say All right. something over like he just went for a dip. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I don't know if this is allowed, but I would like to either bring a whole cart from a yum cha lunch service oh. or dumplings. If that's just too much. dumplings. I um, love yum cha. Regarding the yum cha, so yum cha is a delicate art, right? Mm. First yeah. of all, you got to sit next to the door so that you get first. Yeah, dip. that's oh, why yeah. yum cha makes oh, me yeah. anxious, actually. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but you know, there's that that one yum cha cart, the bung one, that's just like tripe, and it just keeps doing the loop, and no one wants it. And then there's but what I'm saying is, uh, yum cha carts don't have a variety of dishes. On, sometimes they do, but which can you be specific as to what's on Absolutely the cart? Absolutely, I could. Um, okay. It's definitely uh, the steamed pork buns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, dumplings, dump, like prawn, prawn dumplings. dumplings. Yep, mm. oh, prawn dumpling, gorgeous. And those beautiful, um, like <laughs> this is such a white ass thing to, for me to say, but they're called Asian greens. Asian greens. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, like they've got like oyster sauce on them. Yeah, uh, it's it's like steamed broccolini stems with like a gooey brown sauce. Yes. Yeah, it's just you like eat them to try yourself. and cut through the fat of the <laughs> breads and the fats and the fatty meat fat. Yes and, yes, and they're always really expensive because they know that we want to buy them to justify our poor choices for the rest of the food. The food. Yeah, um, it's always like $19 it's or something. It's always really expensive. Yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. I've never thought about the price. It's so expensive. <gasps> Chinese broccoli. No, it is beautiful. I, I love, Jimmy, I'm actually really on board with this. I don't know why you thought I would not be. I'm, I'm um, happy for is, the yum cha card. She's sharpening the candle, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something I really dig about the gu- that you guys just walking onto an island literally with a trolley of food. <laughs> I don't know, Paul. Are we going to let the trolley pass? Um, I have one. Okay. I've, I've consulted the fine print, and yep. I think that we can allow it, but on this condition. Okay. Every single yum cha cart, even if it's full of stuff, always has one thing that no one orders. Now, you've just filled this magical what-if cart with things you like, so yep. you're going to have to put one thing on there, uh, and it's going to have to comprise a third of the cart's real estate, Whoa. and you have to have some every time you eat yum cha, because let's be fair, we can't just fill a dream cart. We, we said no to Celia's, you know, to Celia's uh, corner store. So Yeah, her bakery, a country bakery. Now, what's the thing... Yeah, she wanted. A she whole... wanted a whole country bakery. Yeah. It's never going to happen. <laughs> no. That's a big so ask. Probably That's like ask. tripe. I'm pretty adventurous, and yeah. I don't mind tripe. It's just the texture. I haven't seen my parents for two years, and I don't think I've had yum cha for two years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but which one are you more excited about? Be honest. Yum cha. <laughs> oh just next time you see your parents, make sure you stamp the card. All right. <laughs> Well, this is good, Paul. I feel like this is a you know once again a very unexpected dish yeah. on our island yeah. because it has wheels primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's going to drag in the sand, isn't it? It's, it's really just gonna, and you won't be able to hide. We're always going to know where you are because it's just going to be these little <laughs> trolley tracks everywhere you go on the yeah, island. We might want like Matt, that might just be Maddie luring people in. True, guys. I'm actually thinking this is actually doubling as like. You know, we've got this trolley. It could be kind of used as almost like a little uh, shelter as well. Um, how, how big are you imagining the I'm trolley? sleeping on the trolley, mate. You can sleep under that the palm tree. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, they were an absolute delight. And Tegan, they've got me thinking about something. What is the least palatable thing you've ever eaten off a yum cha trolley? I'm going to say something, Paul, and I don't know if you know this about me. Mm. I guess, you know, given that this has been a couple's episode, oh. it's, it's interesting that you're going to learn something about your wife. Mm-hmm. I've only been to yum cha once, and it was with your parents when we went with them. Really? Yeah, I've only ever been to Yumcha once. It was just one of those things that my family never went to Yumcha. So I went to Yumcha one time uh, in Sydney with yeah. your parents. Yeah. Your dad kind of unhinged his jaw <laughs> and would eat entire trolleys at a time, yep. which is very appropriate given um, Jimmy and Maddie's food, Desert Island dish. Mm. Um, but no, I've I've actually never eaten anything bad off a Yumcha trolley. And no matter what little plate I whipped off that thing, whether it was chicken's feet or dumplings, I was I was pretty happy because it was people pushing little plates of food around a restaurant. Like, it was basically heaven for me. Would it please you if I built a cart or a trolley and just brought your dinner to you in very small servings? I'd love that. Yeah, and I'll get you to stamp a little card and, you know, it'll be fun. It'll do, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Just to wrap up this episode, we've got a Lego Hogwarts Express. Why don't you actually turn that into kind of a miniature sushi train for me as well? So have that going around the table. Oh, I see. Now, and then you can yeah. trolley push things. Now you want the Lego in the house. Now I want the Lego in the house because it's going to bring me food. Yep. You didn't brainstorm that earlier, Paul. This is your fault. You're absolutely right. Well, we've got a neat solution to the Lego problem solved. Thank you so much to everyone for joining us on another episode of Dish Island. We've had an absolute blast and we hope you have too. Don't forget to head across to our socials on Instagram at Dish Island. And if you know any kids, which some of you might do, Christmas is coming up, get Maddie's book. You know, I think it's just one of those things you should probably have in the house. It sounds like a really good idea, so do it. Do it now. Do it now, everyone. Bon appétit. <laughs> There's your outro for you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.